It's Monday, November 8th, and we have Daniel Harthausen from Young Mother, a pop-up at Restaurant Adara. He's going to tell us about his Japanese and Korean fusion food. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia, voted second best podcast in the city of Richmond. My name is Scott Wise, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Roby, you sent me a text, and you said, let's interview Daniel, like Daniel is Cher or Madonna or something. I'm supposed to know who Daniel is, but Daniel's pretty awesome. I should have known who Daniel was. So it's weird that you say that because I did yoga this morning with Katie Best, who was the bar manager at Alewife and now is working at Adara. And she said to me, oh, you guys are interviewing Dan today? And I said, who's Dan? <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the most comp- confused podcast in the city of Richmond. Here it is. Yeah, we'll win the first place for that one. How was your weekend, Scott? What'd you do? My weekend was so beautiful. So obviously today is Monday, November 8th, but the weekend before last was Halloween weekend was my son's bar mitzvah. He and his cousin, Margot, had a B'nai mitzvah, which means two people. So they got to split the duties and they did a fantastic job. Due to the pandemic, we split the bar mitzvah into two parts. So that weekend we did the service part. I didn't say we did it, he did it. He and his cousin did it. And we have delayed the actual big celebration party till 2022. So fingers crossed, everyone's in a good spot in a few months. And we are going to boogie down. So tell me about what the service entails. So yeah, um, real quick, Bar Mitzvah Jewish Rite of Passage. It's when uh, a 12 or 13 or 14 year old member of a congregation kind of leads the service and in the eyes of the community becomes an adult. Now they can't drive, they can't drink, they can't vote, but in the eyes of the Jewish community, they're like, they can become a full adult participant in the congregation. So, you know, Judaism, much like anything, there's wide, there's a wide variety of, you know, how strict you follow something or how loose you follow something. Um, In our case, um, Asher, my son and his, his cousin, Margot, stood in front of the congregation and led the service. They read from the Torah they taught us about what that week's Torah portion was about. And then they got to give a speech and thank their parents for how awesome we are. And we got to give a speech to him to tell him how awesome he is. And relatives were there and it was, it was, it, we pared it down because of the, of the pandemic, but um, it was very nice to, I, what I told him was when you look out into the audience, everybody here is here for you. Everybody here loves you. And that doesn't happen very much in your life where everybody in a single room is there to support you. So hopefully he was able to to take those moments and and put them somewhere special. Oh, I love that, Scott. I love that for you. And I love that for Asher. That's so great. It sounds sounds corny, but, but his mom and I were talking and like already a week later, like he just seems more adult. (laughs) I know it's like not true, but it feels like it's true. Like it feels like he actually, I'm going to embarrass him. Good thing he doesn't listen to this. He, he comes to me this past week and says, dad, I want to start dressing nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that kid. This kid wears shorts and like hoodies every day. doesn't matter the temperature. So today he went out in a Ledbury shirt. Oh, well, at least he's keeping it local. I exactly. like that. You have to, you have to. How was your week been? 
Let's see. So I, I, last week I went to the opening of, well, the soft opening of Birdies, which well, how is- was that? The Oyster Bar. It is, yeah, it's an oyster bar, wine bar, and coffee shop uh, opening at the bottom of Common House. Scott, it's good, but I do have one question for you. How do you feel about a cold fried pork chop? Well, does not sound good. So they are, the concept is really interesting. So really everything that's coming out of birdies is chilled because they're not going up and down the stairs, right? To like get to the, cause the- There's a lot of stairs in that building. Right. Um, the lobster rolls, which were great. Uh, we had a halibut crudo, which was outstanding. The cleanest oysters I've, I've ever had. Cleanest oysters. So like when you're pouring like all that lovely liquid from inside the oyster into your face, it's like lovely and clean and salty. Um, amazing. I do not know as I am the right audience for a breaded, fried, cold, and I'm not talking about room temperature. I'm talking about freezing cold pork chop on very thick, probably brioche, not toast, just sliced bread with a very chilly, and if you sense any of the theme, um, very, very cold, really delicious cucumber rib- ribbon salad with red onion. I think that dish is the only dish that missed it for me. Did you speak to someone about it? Like, did you talk to someone in charge what the so concept was or no? I'm, so this is preference, not policy. I assume that people really, really enjoy that dish. It just is not my place. So it wasn't like the dish came out wrong or it was inedible or any of those things. It was perfectly fine. I just think that I am not the right place for that dish. I did have also cold because all the things are cold. Um, I seared, but it was seared months ago. I'm joking. It was seared like that day. Um, my Roby, it's roby.martin at gmail.com <laughs> to send your hate mail before you dig your no, hole any deeper. <laughs> no, Let's go no, talk about it's so not meant to be like that. You know that, Scott. They don't even play. But um, yes, I went to that opening, it was lovely. You should go. The coffee's supposed to be great. And then I went to Sloop John B, the soft opening, which is the taco bar that's opening off Parham near you. The Island Taco Bar by Garland Taylor, who also had Glory Days. I don't yeah. know if you remember that out I there. Um, that whole bar is open up. Chip Bailey. I don't think was it was the, Glory Days. Was that not what it is? I don't is? think it's Glory Days. I think it's a. Uh, what was the home, restaurant? Home Team Grill. There it is. Yeah, look at you. I know, my, I know my West End sports bars. Trust me. Glory Days mm-hmm. is still open on uh, home Team Richfield Grill Parkway. To- Next to Chins, right? That's Out right. there? Yes, right. absolutely. Vampire penguin. See, this is now you're in mine. You're in my wheelhouse now. That is exactly where you are. Big and there's a CVS and there too. Fried onion rings. Yes. Oh, yes. I gotta get it. Leave to get some, some, uh, some of those drugs. Uh, that's opening <laughs> uh, this week. Chip Bailey. I was gonna. I was gonna say that he was the bar manager at Can Can. He is part of the Sloop John B. So that's that's my weekend. I gave out candy too. Many yeah. Twixes. How was so you? many Twixes. So wait, 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 wait. I, I don't believe this. You let little children through the gates, over the moats, up the drawbridge, into the mansion. Yes. 
Wow. I mean, they had to swim. Yeah. So obviously if they got to me, then there was like 42 Twixes waiting for them. So no, no, no. What is the pearl oh, of Scott. Twix? What is the pearl of the pearl Twixes. Of Twi- Twixes? Twix. That's what it is? Twix. Twix. We've gone off the rails. Can we, can we go back <laughs> on the rails with Daniel? Can you give us a nice introduction and I'll play the music? Okay, sure. We have Daniel Hardhausen, Dan Hardhausen, depending on how you know him, of Young Mother, who is popping up. I guess this will be his eighth or ninth pop-up at Adara. Um, nice Korean, Japanese, and fusion is a bad word, but we're going to use it. Cuisine. He's sold out for the remainder of 2021. So I'm excited about this, Scott. Um, first of all, I'm, I feel like this guy is like older than his years with respect to his cooking, because I've had incredible dumplings. I've had some amazing noodles. It's just, I, I think maybe he's like a 70 year old chef packed in like a 26 year old body. We have Daniel Harthausen with us today of Young Mother, which is a pop-up. Actually, we'll just let him explain it. Hi. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> good. It's Amazing. good. Amazing. Um, yeah. So Young Mother is a um, pop-up that I started doing last, I guess this year, back in March was our first one. Um, primarily we're focused on Japanese and Korean food, um, kind of like this meshing of the two cultures. Um, it goes, it's pretty interesting on my end being able to kind of like research the how the two uh, cultures kind of interact with food. Um, it started out just as like this thing I wanted to do, like a Japanese pop-up and just kind of go in that vein. But then when I started to kind of R&D some dishes, I was like, yo, this would be really cool if I started to like mix in some inspirations that I was finding out already existed. Um, so that's kind of where we're at now. Um, we've done seven so far. We're going to do our eighth one this month. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been pretty good. I have to tell you, Daniel, uh, when we were deciding who to interview for this podcast, Roby's like, let's interview Daniel. Like That was her text. Let's interview Daniel. And I was uh, like, <laughs> I was like, who's Daniel? Like, <laughs> I know who Daniel is. So she explained who you are. So let's tell the viewers, who are you, Daniel? Where, how did you get here? Um, what is it you do? Yeah. Uh, so like Roby said, I'm, I'm 26. I moved to Richmond, uh, I want to say six years ago or yeah, seven years ago. Oh man, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. So I moved here when I was 19. Um, I was fresh out of dropping out of college. Um, and I was my, I'm from, I moved up to Richmond from the 757 area. So Hampton Roads. Um, that's where I went to high school um, for the last two years of my, for my junior and senior year, graduated there. And then I went into college up in Pennsylvania and then ended up having this like moment where I was like, ah, oh, I don't think I want to do this kind of situation. Um, I was, I was actually talking about this the other day. I was like telling someone, I was like, yeah, I listened to Kanye West college dropout for the first time in college. And then I dropped out of college and I don't want to say like Kanye made me do it, but <laughs> the two align that way, I guess. Um, what were you studying in college? 
Um, I was a physician assistant major, so I went to college for, it was a accelerated master's degree program. So I was like getting my master's in five years. It was like on track, great career choice, all this stuff, but um, wasn't for me. So it wasn't, like, it wasn't like you were a slacker student who just like decided to go to college in the last second. You had, you had a plan laid out, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I, so I went to this school, like accepted, like, I think it was like a hundred people. I ended up getting into the program. And on top of that, I was, um, I wrestled in college as well. So I was doing that on top of athletics. And then it was, I think it was a mix of like burnout and then like reevaluating what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I think I had friends that are in the physician assistant field that were like, um, you know, they're, they're, they love it. It's amazing. It's very taxing on them. And it was kind of like, when I talked to them, I'm like, they're kind of like, yeah, if this wasn't exactly what you wanted to do, it'd be really hard to be in this field. So I, I, you know, I don't really look back on anything in life, but um, I'm glad I made that decision. Uh, once I moved back to Hampton Roads though, um, I ended up have like, you know, had to get my own apartment and started kind of just like figuring it out. Um, I, I got a, a job at a, small coffee shop over there. I was working in the back in like in the kitchen, just kind of making sandwiches and stuff. Um, and then and I think it was about like three or four months into that, I was like starting to get a little bit more interested. Um, and I was like watching a lot of Food Network, like Chopped and stuff like that, like Alton Brown shows. And then I was like trying to, I was like, I was getting really curious. And then I remember I like wrote down in like a notebook I still have it. I was like, um, my main goal of that year was to work in a full service restaurant. Like that was my goal. Cause I was like just working in a cafe. Um, and so I thought the best way to do that was to move to Richmond. So I like saved up some money and was able to, to make the trip up. And then I moved up here. Um, and yeah, I just kind of like worked around different restaurants in the city and kind of was trying to get my chops up trying to learn. Um, and a lot of that was, really helpful for me because I'm not like a classically trained chef or anything like that. I just kind of like picked up a lot of things in my way and then did a lot of personal research um, and then got to kind of where I'm at now. Uh, yeah. So who taught you to cook? Like, where does that come from? Like a truly, because yeah. I know you, 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 there has to be a mentor, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really tough. I mean, I even think, ask myself this a lot too. Um, it's hard to kind of like pinpoint one person. Um, and I don't think I've ever actually worked under, um, like in a kitchen where I was like calling, you know, the person chef or anything like that, or whoever's running. It was so it was really interesting the way I, I was kind of coming up. I first kitchen that I worked at was um, sure you can. It was a ramen spot in VCU. I worked there for a little bit, and then I remember I worked at uh, Black Sheep, where I learned a lot from there. Um, which I actually like. I feel like that's where I like learned how to work on a kitchen line really effectively and just like figuring out how like the dance works and like kind of getting, getting like through a service and understanding um, how like a well-tuned, like, like a well-tuned machine works as far as the restaurant industry goes. And then from there, um, I was working at uh, a coffee shop called Alchemy. Uh, I was doing like both at the same time because I needed to like make rent and stuff. And uh, the owner, kind of came up to me and was like, hey, like, you know, do you want to, 
like serve food here um because he needed like someone to like fill a lunch thing and I was like sure like I'll come up with something and so I I, I put some like concepts together like really loosely and just like selling like rice bowls out of the out of like the side area of this like tiny coffee shop and that kind of started like this like side quest of myself where I was doing pop-ups um I was always working in kitchens and stuff like that um as far as like I don't know it's really hard to say like who taught me how to cook I feel like the most influential which is really funny that um they kind of like uh projected me up in, in my eyes to um where I'm at now is uh Randy from um, restaurant Adara and I've because when I started working there I'd only been doing funhouse stuff for the for like two years at that point um where like when I stopped working in kitchens um I like transitioned into front of house to learn like you know every position of the restaurant industry right um and then worked you know behind bars and served and stuff like that and then once I once I was like trying to figure out like, well, I was like what, what haven't I done yet? And I was like, man, I really haven't like explored wine yet. So that's what kind of landed me at Adara um, serving there. Um, but watching from the front of house in the back of house and like having that open conversation because Randy is very, very like open to having us ask questions and figure out what the cooking process is. And just like me being able to like observe helped me kind of figure out like, all right, like these are some techniques that I can learn from, from what he's doing. And then like also translate those into what I want to do. Um, and it, it also showed me like how different kitchens operate. Like I, you know, I've, I worked at uh, La Mer for like three months and at like behind the bar there, but even seeing how like the, the contrast of how those two kitchens work, but still like put out such high quality food um, was really like eye-opening to me. I think for me, it's like, um, I'm really, really observant and everywhere I went, I always came into it thinking like, I need to, I always want to pick something up and like, have it help me kind of move forward. Um, and so that's been really helpful for me, kind of like, as I progress down this like food path, this chef career that I've kind of like allotted out for myself. <laughs> Can you share with us some of the differences that you noticed between La Mer and Restaurant Adar? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, besides like what's like, you know, surface, what's really obvious. I mean, the two restaurants operate um, in like, kind of like once, I don't want to say, I, I hate the idea of like fine dining versus like this other thing or like kind of like how the two are um, are and aren't fine dining. Um, Cause I've, I'm not from like a fine dining background. So I don't necessarily like have that, uh, perspective so to say but when I was when I had my time at La Mer um, everything was very um, and I was working under Chauncey at that point everything was very like choreographed everything was very like allotted out um, and everything coming from the kitchen was very like uh, having you know the resources to be able to have you know seven to eight people in a kitchen right and each person working on like um, a certain part of the dish and all of those coming together to pass and then going out Whereas in contrast to Adara, it's like we got three guys in a small kitchen putting out really high quality food and all of them are touching each dish every time. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's really amazing to me that like you can have both aspects and then the quality of food doesn't really get sacrificed. I mean, just, I think it just goes to show like how skilled and how talented those guys are at Adara um, working out of such a small kitchen and it just being like three or four people in the kitchen at the time. 
making it happen. Sure. And to, how about Black Sheep? Because they did a lot of volume out oh, of that yeah, small yeah. kitchen. I mean, I know Adar's doing some volume too. The mayor, the volume is incredible, but yeah. Black Sheep was pushing like I, I, when I was there, but the last time I ate there, I think they had from 6.30 to 8.30, like four turns of yeah, tables. It's crazy. Which is nuts. I mean, that's just crazy in a small kitchen. So Tell me how that was choreographed because there's not a lot of room behind the curtain at Black Sheep. No, no. I mean, that that line was, um, I think, yeah, going back to like when I was saying, like I learned how like the dance worked behind in the kitchen. It was such a small kitchen. Um, I think there was like, there was like three stations, like three dudes or sometimes even just two people. And like, yeah, like you said, there would be like, we would turn a brunch, like a brunch service would turn like, five or six times it was crazy and like the dining room only sat like 30 people but it was crazy that people would just come in and out and so like um and this everything was, so was good by the way that place was oh i miss it so, so much good. oh i miss it so much <laughs> i'm sorry to interrupt i was just i was just remembering some of my meals there yeah no i remember it was like one of the uh because i lived in carver when i first moved to richmond i was like yo i need to work there and i was able to get a job just like on the south line and was like so happy that they hired me at like 19 um but yeah, like it would just, and everything was like handwritten there too. Like tickets would all come back handwritten and they would like yell out stuff. And then, um, so it was like a really cool, like fast paced kitchen. Um, the portions were really big. And so like, there was just so much food coming in and out. And so everything had to be really organized, obviously. Um, and I remember um, at the time, uh, David Draper was running the kitchen. He taught me a lot on how, like, just how like everything operated and like how, like how, the organization from like prep into service and like making sure everything goes out seamlessly. I mean, at the time I wasn't really like, I didn't, I don't think I really noticed it or like grasped how important all those things were. But like when I was like organizing my pop-ups in the future, I was like all of these things matter into like making sure that you put out a good product. Um, but yeah, I mean, Black Sheep was its own beast. I'm like, RIP, I miss that place so much. I love Cobra Cabana now, but um, that building is so like being in there, I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, you mentioned that you were working at Hampton Roads Tidewater and you decided when it was time to make that leap into restaurants, you said Richmond's the place to be. What was behind that decision? Why Richmond? There are plenty of restaurants in Hampton Roads. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had actually never been to Richmond before. And so it was, it was like this thing, this like city that was close by that I didn't really know anything about um, besides the idea that it was a city. And um I remember thinking I was like well if I want to go like work in a restaurant then I I like I sh I like I gotta move to a city honestly I didn't even know about like when I got here I feel like we were still kind of in that like we were just getting into like when a lot of restaurants started blowing up and like started to get like a little bit of national recognition or like a little bit a little bit past that point um and like everything was um still kind of coming up, I guess. And I think like that was on my end. I just like wasn't exposed to like any restaurants really. And I was still kind of figuring it out. It's like, I think when you get to a new city and you like want to like put your finger on the pulse and figure out like, you know, what's going on and like who's doing what. Um, it was exciting for me because I think, I think one, I did just wanted to get out of Hampton Roads. Um, I think now when I go back to like Norfolk, Virginia Beach, there's a lot of cool stuff happening over there um but at the time i was like i just need to get out of here like i i'm gonna go to the city 
and just like figure it out. And like, that was kind of the biggest goal. So you land in Richmond, you get off the bus, you look around at all the big skyscrapers <laughs> and like, what did you, like, what did you do? Like I, I'm picturing like, you know, that video, like uh, Axl Rose gets off the bus in Los Angeles for yeah. welcome to the jungle. And he's like, Oh, so what, you, you get off the bus and like, what's the first yeah, restaurant you I, go I mean, to? Like, 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 how's it work? Yeah, yeah. Get I an mean, apartment in Carver. Yeah, I get an apartment in Carver. <laughs> and the first like, restaurant across the street is where you get a job. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like so it's like that, it's like kind of that thing where like, you know, you gotta um you gotta pay the bills. And so I was like, I just need a job, right? And so I'm like trying to figure out where to get a job. And I have like a little bit of barista experience. I have a little bit of like kitchen experience. And then I I pretty much just went around to like whoever would hire me. I think I was on Craigslist for like a week before somebody like actually hired me. I went to like but then like, it was like these moments where I would go to restaurants. I was like, I don't think I want to work here. Cause I just didn't know like where I needed to go. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it wasn't until I started working at um, like Alchemy and Black Sheep where I was like really starting to get an idea of like how the how the food scene was was shaping up in Richmond. Um, and then I could, cause you know, you like you talk to people, you hang out, you know, after work and stuff like that. And you just kind of figure out what's going on. And then a lot of that stuff was just like, making friends and like figuring out who's doing what and just kind of like going around i'm like a person i'm a pretty personable guy and i was just kind of like i was like i'll talk to anybody i don't care like i'll go anywhere and like i think at the time like like i couldn't drink yet so i was just kind of like hanging out with people after work just sitting at the bar like not drinking but just kind of being like like what are you guys talking about like it's cool (laughs) like kind of just trying to hang out and stuff um and i think that's like where i started to like really pick up on like where people started, like went out to eat, you know, everyone's talking about like where they had good meals, stuff like that. And then uh, at that point I was like, me and my roommates and stuff, we would like, we're like, okay, well, if, you know, if I want to figure out where I want to work or like where I want to learn from or like who's doing what, it's like, I should probably go eat at these restaurants. And so like for, I think for the first like two years I was here, I just ate at every restaurant I could and just kind of like form my own opinions and try to figure out like what I liked and what I didn't like. Do you remember any of those initial spots you, you went to and, and your what those initial opinions were? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember going to Heritage and like, you know, being really excited. Um, and then I went to uh, Roosevelt and was like, you know, really excited as well. I mean, I was like a, I was like so, such a young, like kind of, I didn't really know a lot about food at that point. So I was like, just like a sponge. I was just trying to like go places, eat, like read the menus and see how they're formatting their menus and just like taking everything. Um, and then when I went to like La Mer, it was like so different from anything I've ever experienced when I ate there, um, just cause it was like so grand and so big. And like, I was never like, I never like went out to eat as a kid. Like my parents never were like, I never really like ate out in restaurants or anything like that. And so it was kind of like this cool moment in me for my life where I was like, I was making money and I was like, I can go like treat myself to a dinner. Like, and so being able to do that, I think also I learned a lot and then I kind of take that with my with me and I think a lot of chefs do this too where they're able to like go to different restaurants find inspiration and kind of pick up on what other people are doing so we're I know the answer to this question but I'm going to ask it anyway <laughs> were you born in Hampton Roads I wasn't no um so I was born in Korea uh, my dad was in the military um I was over there for about five years until we moved back to the states and then lived all over the place um I moved back to Korea when I was uh, 12, I think, 10 or 12, and then lived there um, until I was like 
15, um, where I moved back to, that's when I moved, had moved to Virginia. Um, and then it's really funny, I like never thought of Virginia as a place I would like end up until I got here and I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I spent most of about half of my life overseas um, and then moving around a bunch. Um, and that was like a really good experience being able to see so many different places. So I, I'm going to make the assumption, but correct me. So the, your, your new venture, Young Mother, is a fusion of Korean and Japanese cuisine. Are yeah. you using some of the stuff that you love from living in Korea and pairing it with where does the, like the Japanese influence come from? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my mom uh, lived in Okinawa for um, almost for like about 11 years, I think. Um, and so I would go visit her over there a lot um, and pick up on things when I was over there, just like eat food and have a good time, you know. Um, when I lived in Korea, obviously, I, li I lived in a Korean household. So that's what a lot of the food that I had at home. Um, I didn't make the transition to like kind of having this narrative where I was putting the two cultures together until I was like researching dishes and like trying to figure out like their origins for just for myself, just cause like, it was like a fun little project. And then I started to notice patterns between the two cultures. And obviously like a lot of East Asian cultures have a lot of overlap. Um, and between the two countries have such a, like a, they have a, such a rich history. It's not always super positive. There's a lot of negative between the two countries, um, but nonetheless, they, the, the two of them affected each other. And so when I was trying to like come up with dishes, um, being able to like pull from things that I love to eat already, and then like matching them with something that I've like learned how to cook or have experienced in some different capacity um, was really cool. Um, and like, I think being able to like go on Instagram, post a picture of a, you know, a dish and like talk about the inspiration of like where it came from is like really fun. Um, but when I started to like really go deep into uh, like the history of the two cultures, it became a little bit more than just like, you know, creating dishes and like, you know, putting them out and serving them. It was like a really cool experience for me to be able to actually learn about some things that like I had never known before, um, which was pretty cool. Enlighten us with some of those things that you learned. I'd be yeah, yeah. fascinated I mean, to, to know. Yeah. I mean, like there's the, the most like, the biggest part of it is like during like the early 1900s and up into the 1950s, like there was the um, Japanese rule over Korea, right? And so they had this essentially, um, they, I don't know how, how many things I can like, how, how graphic I can be, but essentially they ruled over Korea for about 50 years. And during that time, there was a lot of um, mixing of people going over to Japan um, and having doing work over there and then people coming over into Korea and then taking resources from this land over there. And a lot of it uh, had to do with women. And so like women being um, the like, essentially taking care of uh, people that were in the army or things like that. Um, and so having those two, like having people needing to, you know, cook and take care of and clean and things like that in those cultures, they eventually certain eventually mixed right um in a lot of ways mixed in a lot of ways yeah i don't know I, like, i'm kind of, of tiptoeing around it i don't want to sure. like, go too graphic but i think 
a big part of it that I found a lot of overlap in was just the use of resources. So like the two kind of border, the like Korea's Peninsula and uh, Japan's an island and being able to like have this crossover of resources, the two countries kind of, um, they, they created these dishes that were out of necessity essentially, like things through curing, fermenting, um, and things that we enjoy like to this day, especially over here, like miso, soy sauce, things like that, and then kimchi in Korea. Um, were all influences that came from East Asian cultures kind of clashing together and like sharing knowledge. And how do you connect those in your, like walk me through some of the dishes that you're serving right now at Young Mother that you are connecting those yeah. um, together. Like the, like your clash of the culture maybe is the best way to put it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so one of the dishes that I like really love to serve is the, um, it has a base in a dish called sarangtang, which is essentially a, um, it's a pork bone soup, right, with oxtail, um, and traditionally in Korea, um, but it has essentially the same build and the same recipe as tonkatsu broth in, in Japanese culture, which we know is in ramen. Um, and the two actually are from towns in uh, like they originated in certain towns that had a lot of, like that were a little bit colder and they had a lot of working men, people that needed a lot of energy immediately. So the dishes um, essentially were, had the same exact base. And when I was able to like kind of put those two together I made a porridge out of it. Um, and then there's porridge in Korea is called juk, which is just like a rice porridge. And then in Japan, it's called okayu. Um, and those two are essentially very similar as well. Um, so I've kind of merged those two things together and made a porridge out of um, a tonkatsu broth that I made, um, braised oxtail, and then kimchi on top. Um, kimchi, as it is, is like traditionally known as a Korean dish, but a lot of like fermented products in Japan, um, usually in porn of like mikazuka or like they're seen as pickles essentially. Um, but most of the processes occur in the same way. In Japan, there's a little bit more like variation as far as like how you're fermenting things or how you're pickling things. And they'll like di differentiate that by like, usually by salt source. So they'll see salt as like chia or salt and then show you like soy sauce or miso. It's like a fermented soybean paste, right? So like those things are all kind of a little bit more specific, I think in Japanese culture, but they're all, the processes are a lot, are very similar in between the two. Um, another one that I've done is, uh, Chun, which is like a traditionally a Korean pancake. Um, they're essentially the same build, but in Japan, there's a pancake called the Konamiyaki, which uses Migaimo, yeah. Um, that, I don't, Migaimo doesn't, isn't super prominent in Korea. Um, so that was never really used, but the idea of like two pancake dishes coming together. And so when I put that on the menu, I was really excited because I love both. Um, and they both have their own like kind of unique characteristics where Chun is a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more like fluffy or a little bit spongier and like Migaimo has a little bit more texture to it or with Akonomiyaki. And so like, but the two nonetheless are like these like blank canvases for people to put um, a plethora of ingredients in. And so when I was able to see that, I kind of like put that on the menu and then put mixed a couple different ingredients together and put them on. Oh, they sound so good. I, I, lo I love a Japanese and Korean pancakes. So the idea of the two of them together are great. I, the texture I, is really big for me. So I obviously prefer one over the other, but um, I like them both a lot. Yeah, I've been watching you grow with your dishes. It's been really cool for me to see because the, I think the first 
time I actually had one of them, you had a pop-up at, what is the restaurant that used to be? Flora. It would say it again. Was it Flora? Flora. Thank you. Yes. yes. Wow. Man, <laughs> my head is going to fall off. Yes. You had a pop-up at Flora and you were doing dumplings. So you've yeah. moved a little past that. Um, why were dumplings the place to start? Yeah. Um, so I guess going back to like, when I said I did that, um, that like pop-up at that coffee shop. So I, I had, I, you know, I was like trying to figure out, I think just like throwing ideas at the wall and trying to figure out what sticks. Um, so I remember I had like so many different names for things I wanted to do. Um, and eventually it transformed. It was like, it started off as like mixed grain, which was like a rice bowl thing. And then I did, and then the one that you went to um, was called in-house. And then initially I was like trying to do this thing where I was like, that's like so cringy. It's like, I was like trying to make everything in-house and like, that was the concept. And like, I was like, oh, it's going to be so good. And um, was it? It was, it was, it was a good learning experience. I had, uh, Sounds I delicious. Had, I love those learning experiences. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I think I did my first pop-up with that in Norfolk actually at this place called work release, which doesn't, um, it's not around anymore, but uh, no fault of yours, right? No, no. Okay. It was my friend Charles down there who actually runs a place called Slow Dive, which is pretty awesome. He put me up. Shouts out to him. He gave me he gave me like my first pop up ever, and I was like, "This is awesome!" And I was like so excited. Um, and we did like we were gonna do like these uh, these series where I like did a country's food in like three parts. And so I started with Korea, and then we did like street food, and then the second one was gonna be dumplings, and then. Um, the second one that I did that was dumplings, we did at a brewery at the Vale and people like went crazy about it. They loved it. And I was like, oh, I guess people really like dumplings. And so, yeah. Uh, so I was like, I guess I'll just keep, I'll just like keep doing that. Like, you know, people really like that. So I'll just keep doing that. And so in-house eventually just turned into this dumpling pop-up, which is great. Um, it was, uh, very, very time consuming, but uh, I, I, I feel like in that moment, it kind of like helped me get a little bit of recognition um, as far as like somebody that was cooking in the city. I think at that time I was like 21 or 22. Um, and so I was just doing the brewery pop-ups and like, that was really good. I was like, you know, at a commercial kitchen, packing up my, you know, four-door sedan with <laughs> with a full kitchen and setting up in a parking lot um which is great you know and then i think at at that point um that's when uh johnny from uh rogue me up and then uh, asked me to run the kitchen at yaki and so like i was in the middle of like doing this pop-up i was like he reached out to me and i was like you know this is like a really good opportunity um and so i was able to like have this position where I ran a kitchen for the first time. And I think that's where I learned a lot of where almost by just like trial and error, trying to figure out how a kitchen works. Um, but- And where was Yaki? Yaki was on the corner of um, Broad and Belvedere uh, over by uh, Caddy Corner of the VCU's campus by that Rite Aid over there. And um, small restaurant we did, we specialized in yakitori. So we're doing like charcoal chicken on a stick. 
um, with some other like small plates and stuff like that, kind of trying to do the izakaya format. Um, so we did like, you know, I come in, I butcher like 40 chick, you know, 40 pounds of chicken a week, put them all on skewers, and then we'd serve those out through the through service, and then we'd have like nine small dishes. Um, so really fun menu, uh, really cool learning experience um, for me. And then I was there for I think like seven or eight months until I until I moved on. Um, but that time I was also doing um, my in-house pop-up. And so I was like making dumplings in the kitchen while I was also like skewering chicken at the same time. So just like really time consuming things. Um, but after Yaki had ended, um, I was, I, I got reached out by, uh, um, by Jay and he asked me if I wanted to do a pop-up at Flora. And so he was like, uh, Jay from Saison uh, and he does bingo as well. And so when they had Florida, they were trying to figure out to do, they wanted to do a uh, pop-up residency. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Like, that sounds great. Like I pulled up um, and they're like, you know, three months, like y'all can use the kitchen. And then, um, you know, I was planning on serving uh, kalguksu, which is like a Korean style of ramen with uh, knife cut noodles and then dumplings. Um, so I was there for about, you know, uh, two months and then I guess that's when that's when you I remember the, I remember when you came through because I had soup dumplings that day and then you're like really excited my favorite mm-hmm. yeah so she, like, leaves that was really a, she leaves an impression you know yeah yeah he knows exactly when you were there <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I mean I said hi Scott I mean so, so I came out so was it was a party like everyone was having a good time yeah like, it, was, it was fun um so yeah that was you know that was also like um a really a really cool experience being able to kind of like run a kitchen with my own concept even though it was like you know only for a couple months but it was still like uh, i kind of had my hands in figuring out how like i wanted everything to operate um and kind of figuring out like how i wanted the front of house to operate you know the back house was just me and so like figuring out how to get food out of like efficiently by myself um and then managing like the social media aspect of it and everything um, not going to lie, that whole experience, I think like burned me out pretty, pretty hard. Cause I was doing everything myself. Um, and I think I like, was kind of like, you know, I don't know if this concept is like what I want to do. And so that's when I, after that time at Florida, I kind of scratched the whole idea and was like, I'm going to, you know, start over. And I think a big part of it was when I realized that when I was trying to figure out how to do front of house stuff in that space, I was like, I don't think I, I don't know anything about this. Like I've never worked as a server before. And so it motivated me to kind of like, all right, well, maybe I need to work in restaurants and do front house stuff. So that's when I kind of started my journey into like bartending and, and serving and, and all those things. I got a two part question about young mother. First, yeah. what does young mother mean? And then second, you said you've got all these influences from around the city, different restaurateurs. Can you tell us like a little, the little bits and pieces of things that you took from other, other men and women in the industry that you've poured into young mother? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> Young Mother was initially, it's, it's really funny, it was supposed to be an Italian restaurant. I was like, I was driving around with my friends and I saw this space and I was like, you know, I feel like Young Mother would be a good name for an Italian restaurant. And then it kind of just like stuck and then I kind of had that on me for a while. And then um, I was like, I think when I wanted to do this over quarantine, I was like, you know what? I just like that name. I'm going to use it. And uh, um, that's pretty much the origin of that. And then as far as like influences go, I mean, like I said, uh, 
Randy was probably like one of the biggest influences on me as far as like really like catapulting me into like a different level of like where I wanted to be and like what I like what I could be as far as like a chef um and then um other than that like there's not a lot of people that had a direct impact I guess I think when I was um especially when I was like eating around and like trying to figure like go to different restaurants and stuff like that I never like I never was and I don't think I think still I don't I don't see myself as somebody that's a part of like the Richmond chef community like I still just like work you know and I you know I do a pop-up once a month people really like it and I love that right but I kind of just see myself as like you know I'm still a, an employee at Adara which I love you know I, I'm not but I'm not a part of the community of chefs that really came up in this city or done their time in the city and like a lot of chefs have cooked with each other before they all know each other um and I've you know, shaking hands and I've met a couple people, but um, I've never really like had conversations with anyone or like done any of those things. So, and I think that a lot, like that puts me in a really unique position because being so young and like not really having that like outside like um, peer influence, I feel like I just kind of like do personally for me, I just like do whatever I want. And like, it's really fun for me to do it in that way. Um, I think another part of that is I don't, you know, need to make rent and, um, Randy and them are like super gracious to let me use their space <laughs> and so I don't have to worry about like the monetary side of it but it's kind of just like this fun thing I get to do right now um yeah I think that's great so Randy is known for being a bit fiery uh I, um he definitely has a very uh his personality is amazing because he's very straightforward how is it working for him oh I love it I mean we're like super we're like fairly similar um I think that like I I pick up on I pick up on um very uh blunt direction very well. Uh that's like I because and I think it's just coming from like um I guess an athletic background, but just like playing sports my whole life. Um and then also having like uh coming up in like as a military kid, um when being very coachable coachable is like a skill that I think um is really important for people and so like having someone just tell me directly like what I need to do like I'll go do it and then also learn from it um so I pick up on it I also understand that that's not how everybody learns um so it can be like uh I don't know I don't know if difficult's the right word but it's it's like a hurdle to kind of get over sometimes if if people are very blunt with you um but personally for me it's like I really enjoy that type of type of like leadership and type of uh, coaching so um, I love, I love working there. It's great. <laughs> are your parents, are your parents still overseas? Are they split? Are they one here, one there? Um, What's the situation? Yeah. Yeah. My parents divorced when I was really young. I was like seven or eight. And then my mom lives in Korea now. And then my, I think my dad lives in Florida, but I'm not, I'm not too sure. <laughs> have you, have you been able to cook for your mom? Has she been able I to see what you're doing? I haven't. Um, so she doesn't really, uh, she's not really able to like come to America. Um, I don't like, she, she's never had like an opportunity to really um, for the past like five or six years. She was supposed to during COVID, but obviously, you know, right. couldn't do that. But um, I haven't been able to yet. She doesn't know like all these things that I'm doing. Um, she isn't very 
excited about it, but <laughs> that's okay. No, all right. No, no, I mean, it's like, you know, I think in Korean culture, like uh, ha- the food industry isn't necessarily the most like respected industry to go into. Um, and, you know, maybe that's not the case in like the entire, like all of Korean culture, but as far as like my parents go, they're not very like excited about me being in the food industry. Um, but I didn't really like, I think that kind of like, I think that kind of motivated me to like want to do really well in it, especially early on. Um, early on, I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to like prove to them that I can make this happen kind of thing. And I think what I've done so far has been um, kind of cool for them to watch. I think they still wish I would have like, you know, finished college, but it's okay. <laughs> now, the Asian food community in Richmond, can we talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. What are some of the places that we should be checking out in terms of different kinds of Asian cuisine around town? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I like right now, there's like a lot of people like coming up still, especially like with myself. I know like V and Adam over at Royal Pig do a great job. Um, and, you know, they've always been super supportive of me. I worked with Adam when I was at Flora, actually. And um, that was, he was also, he was also at one of the first bartenders at Yaki too. So um, I love what they're doing over there. And I know they're at, over at Hatch Kitchen now. Um, as far as like uh, different Asian restaurants to go to, out the outskirts of Richmond is like really has like so many good restaurants. When you go out into like in Rico and Midlothian and stuff, um, I love, I just went to Yewan the other day and that's a Korean restaurant out in Midlothian. They're very, very good. And then um, Pho Saigon out in, in Rico is amazing as well. Obviously Pho Tato is amazing too. Um, I haven't found like a strong Asian community. I think like I have like a close knit group of like Asian American friends um, that we all kind of like get together and they're like super supportive of what I do. We've also been kind of, you know, coming up in the industry at the same time. Um, but I haven't really been like, I'm not super in tune with like, uh, I guess like different Asian communities. I, don't, I haven't found like a strong Korean community in Richmond, um, but I think that's just like personally for me, not being like out in those areas or growing up in this area even. Sure. Um, I do have some Vietnamese friends who are like, because um, there's a strong Vietnamese community in, in this area. And like, you know, they, they grew up in this area and like, a, you know, whenever I got to their house and stuff like that, it's definitely a strong sense of community out there. But I'm, again, I'm just like, at that point, I'm still just like outside looking in because I, you know, I'm, I moved here. Um, but it's, it's nice to see that those things exist in pockets. Um, when I lived in, uh, it was funny, I lived in Wyoming for a little bit and there's like a, there's like a pretty good Korean community out there. There's, it's small, but like they're very, very close knit. So it's kind of like, kind of exciting to see that. And I think that exists in a lot of cities. Um, when I use, when I go to Nova and stuff with friends, they'll like, I go up to like their parents' house and there's like a large Korean community up there. And that's like, that's super cool to see. So, um, I, so I always am looking for places to go and on mm-hmm. always am asked what Richmond is missing. Yeah. So from a restaurant standpoint, especially an Asian restaurant standpoint, what do you feel like we're lacking here in Richmond? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that I want to do with Young Mother is being able to like have not necessarily like an elevated representation of like Asian food or like um, in this case, East Asian food or Japanese and Korean food, but having like a place where we can go where I know, you know, where I, you know, 
you can spend a little bit more money and have a little bit more of like refined dishes and have a little bit more care into it. Um, but I think that we, we just don't have anyone that's doing that in like the East Asian space specifically. Like, I think that we could use a really, really good Japanese or a sushi restaurant in Richmond. I don't think we've had, we have one of those. Um, I think that with a little bit more people kind of accepting the idea of um, like, forced out meals and things like that, higher ticket prices. Like you can have an omakase that works in the city. I think that would be really cool. Um, so, I mean, I think the city's still growing and being able to like create a framework for those restaurants to exist is important. Um, and so like that side of it is something that I really want. Um, Cause I, you know, I'll, I, you know, I'll drive up to DC um, or Nova and like go to places up there. Um, but to have those in the city would be really cool, you know? I agree. I would love the course out. Um, I think that, that we are, I think it's been tried. I just don't know is that we've quite accepted it um, in Richmond yet, but yeah, I, and, I'd, I'd love that. And it's kind of hard. Like I don't do, I don't like to do courses um, at the pop-ups because um, it's kind of worked out where like I'll put eight dishes on the menu and people come in and get the whole menu anyways. Um, but I like the idea that somebody comes in and they'll choose the, like choose the experience to get every dish rather than me telling them to. Um, I think that in itself is a little, like can be really fun for the guests to kind of come and be like, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna get everything. Um, and then I get to like kind of, and then everything works together in a way where it kind of feels like a course out meal. Um, and so that's been like my goal when I, when I create menus. Um, but having like, you know, obviously having the, the space of, you know, having a building and rent and like everything else that goes wrong in restaurants, like you need to be able to bring people in and have that consistent revenue. So um, maybe something in the future, but um, definitely something I would hope for, yeah. Now, are you thinking you're gonna take this young mother comp concept to a brick and mortar? Yeah, I mean, it's right now, like um, it's really fun. Like everything that I get to do, uh, doing it once a month is so, it's like, <laughs> there's so little stress, like besides just doing it day of, right? Um, but you know, people seem to really like it. And I think if it, the opportunity presents itself in the future, you know, it's something that I would consider, um, right now it's not like the main goal because everything that I want to do right now is just like focus on the food, focus on the experience and make sure that people really like it. Um, but yeah, people have asked me, they're like, yo, you're going to, you know, so you're going to like make a restaurant. Like, I think that's the natural progression. Like people like, you know, they're like, they're like, when are you going to open up? When are you going to open up? And, um, that's that that to me is like a really big compliment because just you know people being excited about it and wanting wanting it to do well um so that's been really cool uh but yeah I, I think you know if it if it if it came up I'd probably I'd probably make it happen <laughs> you're listening to eat it Virginia with Roby and Scott and Daniel Hardhausen with young mother the pop-up at restaurant Adara mentioned to us maybe that if you want to eat his food at a pop-up you have to dm him on social media to get on a wait list which is currently filled up until 2022. yes so i i would still suggest dming him this is my thing um i think that there's there's an opportunity everywhere people as you've heard we're going to talk about this in a second are not showing up for their reservations so DM at Young Mother VA, and that will get you on the list to eat some of the delicious food that he was discussing. I'm looking forward to trying that. Young Mother at Young Mother VA on Instagram. 
Okay, Scott, here's a question for you. You and, I don't know, just pick a person, maybe your family, let's say your mom, are gonna go out to eat next Saturday. How many reservations do you make? Zero. You make zero? Or one. Okay, or one. and let's say your mom sends you a message or calls you and says, Scott, I'm just not feeling it tonight. Let's order pizza. What do you do? I absolutely let the restaurant know because that's just rude if you don't. So when do you call them? Do you call them right when your reservation is gonna happen? Do you call them 15 minutes before? What is your, what's your MO there? I've never testified in court before, but I feel like I'm being led on by a prosecutor right now. Well, I'm about I, to really, really nail this one. So okay. I want to go ahead. I would let the restaurant know as soon as possible. As soon as I knew that I wasn't coming. How about if you're going to be late? Depending on how late I'm going to be, I would let them know. I hate being late. That's one of my pet peeves in general and life in general. My, the clock on my car is set 25 minutes fast for that reason. Um, but if it's going to be more than 15 minutes, I'll let the restaurant know. So it seems to me that what's going on right now, or at least I've had multiple people send me messages, is p- individuals are making reservations at more than one restaurant and then just physically not showing up or canceling the reservation. Yeah, I don't understand why that would even be a thing. Like, I, I just don't get it. Do, have you, do you know people that do that and why they do that? Like, what's the thought process there? I don't know anybody that does that because I would punch them. Like punch them in the face. I, would you make plans with one of your buddies and just not come and not tell them? No, you wouldn't. If you were expecting the plumber to come to your house because your toilet is clogged, wouldn't you be pissed if they didn't show up? I saw that Grisette posted, Donnie over at Grisette posted that they're going to, when people make reservations, I think it's already started, you have to put your credit card in. And if you are a no-show, they're going to charge your credit card a certain fee. I forget what it was. And he was like, I don't want to do this, but I got to do this because I'm losing too much money on people that are making reservations and not showing up. Yes, and if I could swear right here about what terrible people those people are, I would swear. Multiple swears are in my head right now that I cannot say out loud because I would be beat. Guys, don't do that. You want to talk about something that pisses me off is people that are like, oh, I'm better than the restaurant that I'm going to, so I'll just make multiple reservations on a Saturday night, and then the five restaurants that I don't want to go to because my friends and I have decided we want to go to this one, we'll just let them just wave in the wind. I think that they should take it one more step, restaurants should, and they should just charge you for the full meal if you don't come and shame you and shame you on social media. 100% your name up. And this is how much money we've charged your credit card because you just didn't bother to come today. Yeah. This episode of eat it, (laughs) eat it, Virginia. (laughs) This episode of eat it, (laughs) no, Oh God, no.